Hi all, I'm Dan Smigrod, founder of the We Get Around Network Forum. Today is Thursday, September 27th, 2018, and you're watching WGAN-TV Live at 5. Our topic today uh, for Matterport service providers, how to make money with Matterport meets AEC space for newbies. And uh, our guest today is uh, Paul Tice, is the founder and CEO of Topa 3D. Uh, in the uh, Portland, Oregon area, and uh, working out of the the uh, I want to say Bend, Oregon, right now. Paul, yes, good to see you. Hey, nice to see you too, Dan. Thanks for I, having me. You bet. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover with with Paul. Um, you know, if if you're you have Matterport, maybe you've been scanning houses. You keep hearing these uh, initials AEC, architects, engineers, and uh, uh, construction. Um, how do you make money? You know, what, you know, how, you know, what problems do you solve in this AEC space? Um, who are the potential clients in AEC? Who are the stakeholders, the people you might talk to in AEC? Uh, what's the use case uh, for, for Matterport in, in this AEC space? And we're going to even talk a little bit about the lingo because it's a little bit crazy. MEP, Faro, BIM, Revit, um, as built, etc. So Paul is a subject matter expert on all of this stuff. So excited to have Paul on the show. Paul, let's talk a little bit before we jump into the topic and, and cover this. Let's just talk a little bit about you because I'm really excited about uh, even just your credentials. Um, you, you're teaching a class uh, on uh, lynda.com slash LinkedIn learning. Yes. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, I was speaking at a virtual reality meetup and uh, showed some Matterport and showed some photogrammetry models that we had been making with drones and so forth. And uh, I was headhunted a little bit and they said, would you like to teach for LinkedIn? And I said, absolutely, yes. So uh, it's just a great environment. So I've been able to you know, get the message out of, of how to use some of these tools. Uh, they're, you know, the tools are transforming so quickly. Every six months, there's a brand new innovation, at least sometimes every month. And, and so, you know, my thinking is, is there's no um, sort of hold on the data. There's no reason to keep it safe and sort of as trade secret because, you know, if somebody given enough time can learn it themselves, I just want to fast track that for them because, you know, that's how I learned. I, there's a lot of generous people on uh, YouTube and different places that I was able to learn from to do a lot of this stuff and I'm always learning. So it, it's a really neat environment to sort of give and trade information between uh, service providers and software companies and things like that. And, and the title of your class, Matterport 3D Scanning and Visualization. So you can find that on lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com or on the, the LinkedIn learning uh, classes. Um, and uh, why don't you talk a little bit about um, what you do with uh, with your business? Uh, you're the founder CEO of Topa uh, 3D, uh, based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, what, what's the specialties and some of the things that you do so that we have context for today's show? Uh, well, what we do is reality capture. So the the concept there, which is a, a big buzzword with Autodesk communities and all that sort of thing, is we use sensors or 3D scanners, uh, drones, any kind of any kind of sort of visual capture device to document spaces and places. So the, the thing that separates uh, a photographer or a, a drone pilot or, or these types of people apart from people in this industry is that uh, we capture data that uh, is measurable. So when we're creating a space in 3D, we're doing it with measurable data. So we're using uh, infrared sensors, as you know, like on the Matterport camera, 
or using GPS sensors on the drone to geotag the images to make accurate models to some degree, or, or we're using control points from surveyors out there in the field to, uh, to line up all this data. So, you know, reality capture is a, is a pretty big uh, sort of bandwidth of technology, but at the end of the day, it's using anything from a smartphone to a several thousand dollar scanner uh, to, to capture a space so that somebody can use that to make a decision or to understand something in a way that is uh, difficult to do without some sort of context, you know, like either physically walking the space or something. So this is, it's just a really amazing tool and we find a need for it in a lot of different markets, including probably primarily the AEC market. Mm -hmm. and, and so folks in, in the AEC space would either engage you as uh, to uh, capture reality um, uh, as a consultant, uh, uh, and then maybe there's others that engage you for running workshops, training, uh, even universities, nonprofits, et cetera. Yeah, that's right. So I've, I've uh, kind of run the gambit in this uh, industry quite a bit. I've seen a lot of different uh, venues uh, who are interested in the technology. Um, I sort of started doing historic preservation work with 3D scanning uh, using a Faro scanner, a photon. And uh, I, I learned a lot about historic preservation and what they're after. And uh, at the end of the day, a designer or some pe people like this, they want to see it, but they also want to do something with it. Um, very few people just want to have a visual unless they're maybe a real estate agent or something like that. So I started with historic preservationists and nonprofits. Uh, I did a lot of pro bono work just to sort of market and drive the industry, uh, you know, market the technology. Um, and I did a lot of presentations with that. I was doing some animations with point clouds, uh, which is um, a data type that's generated from either 3D scanners or from photos, like from the Matterport uh, scanner. And so uh, doing some creative things like that, and that, that sent me to uh, the Bentley Be Inspired competition in Amsterdam, and, and our company won first place to show how we could uh, use matter tags, or excuse me, I want to say Matterport. Uh, but using scanners uh, or point cloud data to uh, visualize spaces in a very fast and, and multimedia sort of way, kind of, you know, using animations and things. And they had never seen that. So uh, that was kind of a turning point for me, winning that award uh, with the team. Uh, our team collected the data and, uh, and I processed some of it. I did a lot of the animation work. So it was a team effort. Um, uh, but, but what happened after that is we were invited to speak at conferences about uh, point cloud data and scanning and all things reality capture. Uh, so uh, I got to, st I, I started traveling. That was back in 2012, I guess it was. And um, from that point on, I, I, I was connected with new people, uh, people in um, the real estate industry. I was connected with uh, the University of Oregon, you know, various schools, Oregon State. And uh, I did some co-teaching uh, at the master's level for historic preservationists to expose them to the technology. Uh, with Dr. Lauren Alsop, who is an architectural conservator who's based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. She was amazing to work with, uh, still is. Um, and she did some conservatory work on the, the Titanic. Uh, and so she has some really neat credentials and, and exposure to different technologies as well. So I guess, uh, you know, moving through this industry, I've, I've been exposed to a lot of different uh, 3D tech. And, um, you know, now the big thing is virtual reality and augmented reality and project tango is kind of moving towards uh, AR kits and, and these different development options 
And, and at the end of the day, what people really wanted is a way to see and visualize this data and work with it, but in a, in a lightweight fashion. So just backing up a little bit, talking about the, uh, the trend of the industry, it started with this, this 3D scan data that was really large uh, data files, you know, several gigabytes. Uh, most of the software on the market, CAD software, couldn't really handle it. So you'd get crashes, uh, you know, the little uh, Windows icon would just spin and spin and spin, and you're hoping that it's going to kick in, but it never does. And so it was really disappointing because we had this really great hardware, but the software hadn't caught up to it yet. And, and one of the things you could do with scan data back, you know, eight, eight, nine years ago is you could make little virtual tours, but there was really no way to host it. And unless you had a sort of supercomputer, nobody could really use it. Um, so the historic preservationists were, didn't usually have the technology readily available to be able to even work with the data or figure it out. So then we had to learn how to convert it into something that made sense for them, like into a CAD drawing, a simple 2D CAD drawing. Like we're taking this massive amount of useful data and we have to dumb it down into something that's so simple that it almost seems like a waste of money and time, you know, because of the deliverable. You can almost do the same thing with a laser meter uh, that costs a couple hundred dollars at Costco or something. So, so uh, you know, but, but eventually the software started catching up and the algorithms got more powerful and the visualization um, rendering engines and so forth started becoming pretty robust. And uh, then uh, a handful of years ago, you know, Matterport came on the market. And I, I was watching, a, I think, a Redfin advertisement on television, and I saw, you know, they didn't even talk really about it. It was just going in the background, but it was a dollhouse, and it was spinning around, and, and they're like, contact us today to you know, buy a home or something. And I, I was just fascinated. I'm like, what is that technology, you know, that they're using on this commercial? And, and it, was, it was Matterport. Uh, so when we learned what it was, we started hunting down ways to get a hold of one of these cameras. Uh, we ended up buying one, uh, and uh, we started using it and learning how it works. And it works very similar to the scanners we were using, but the, the really great part about it was, as everybody knows on this, watching this probably, is that it just made it so simple to use on an iPad or even a smartphone. It, it totally democratized 3D modeling, so everybody could get access to it and really, really understand space. And in that way, it was a game changer. And then what we've seen is that some of these scanning companies are trying to find ways to make their data smaller so that it can fit onto this kind of platform. So now enter the Leica BLK360 from, you know, and, and potentially the RTC360, the new Leica scanner coming out, uh, is looking at having integration into the Matterport Capture app. Uh, because they understand that people really do want to see their spaces in a way that's intuitive and simple so they can make decisions. So it's just been a really amazing evolution, you know, of how this all came about. Yeah, it's very exciting. I I, I think uh, you know may, maybe it's almost like two ra um, two railroads uh, crossing the country here. Here you have a, a, a maybe a low end scanner Matterport that um, is really about the has been about the photography. And then over here you have these lidar, these really expensive things that have always been about the data. And now the, the data cameras have the photography and the photography has the data and somehow they're kind of coming, coming together. Um, and, 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 and it's blurring in terms of what, what these different technologies are and how they get used, which I actually think probably brings us to this AEC space is to, to say, Oh, okay. Cause you've, you've, you've been, um, 
you have the benefit of maybe being bi bilingual or trilingual that you are. Um, you come, you, you speak the AEC world, you speak the Matterport world. Now they're all kind of blended together. Um, if I'm a Matterport uh, service provider and I keep hearing these initials AEC, um, you know, what, what are the opportunities, um, you know, for making, how do I make money uh, in the AEC world? And, and I thought maybe we'd just start with um, maybe go through, you know, each of the stakeholders uh, and, and what problem that Matterport solves for them. Yeah, sure. There's there's actually a developing laundry list of that. You know, there's um, so because I, I came from this terrestrial high-end LIDAR 3D laser scanning sort of process, we learned that the AEC or the architecture, engineering, and construction industries, uh, they have a, a need to have a measurement or an as-built is what they call it, or some, some have said uh, as-is. Uh, Ken Smertz, I think, might have coined that from Eco3D. Um, Maybe what we do, because I, I think there's a lot of terminology in this space. If, if, we're, if we're a newbie to uh, this AEC space and you tell me as-built, I got to stop you and say, what, what is an as-built? What is yeah, that? Because sure. it's important to understand that. Absolutely, yeah. An as-built is um, essentially an architectural drawing uh, that represents the space as it is today. So uh, when an architect or somebody goes into a space, they usually uh, historically would hand measure everything or use laser meters or something uh, to get accurate dimensions of that space, you know, ceilings, floors, walls, and even pipes, like documenting where the pipes uh, or the, what we call the MEP systems are, the mechanical systems, like the HVAC units that carry air, the electrical systems, all the conduits that hold the electrical, and the plumbing systems, where all the pipes are for that. So they, they need to know where all that stuff is because uh, a designer that's going to remodel a space, which is the primary need for asbilts, uh, you know, in, in, in most contexts for construction, is they need to know where things are so they can plan what they can leave behind, what's still in good shape, and what they, can, what they have to wreck out, and what, what they end up destroying or pulling out of the building, how that's going to affect other systems. So they, you know, they just need to know where everything is so they can plan uh, how they're going to redesign that space and use kind of what's left of it when they're done. So, so if, I'm, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, that uh, that a building that's, that's about to go under a renovation, you might say, well, let's just go back to the, the CAD file for that building. And I think I want to say probably the answer is, well, many buildings don't have CAD files. And yes. even if they did, it probably changed since the time the building was originally. Is that, is that, the, so that's the chance, that's the that's the problem. That's the problem. The, 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 what they call the as-built documents or the ar existing architectural drawings that they have are not truly as-built most of the time. And like you said, they may not exist. So uh, especially historical buildings that they're going to renovate, which they're doing a lot of on our um, university campuses here in Oregon, because uh, they're historic brick buildings and, and, and the exterior is nice, but the interior needs a revamp, you know? So, uh, so they, the drawings, some, sometimes these buildings have been remodeled many, many times over the years, and some of the buildings are 100 years old. And so the drawings may or not, may not reflect what's really there. So, and, and, and another thing to point out is these MEP, or mechanical electrical pump plumbing systems that make a building breathe, you know, to keep it alive, um, those, those systems are obvious, um, obviously complicated because you have pipes going in all, all kinds of directions. Um, but they're also, uh, there's plentiful, like 
you know, you could have mechanical rooms full of pipes and, and coolers and um, heaters and boilers and all this stuff. And it, it can be a sort of a spider web of, you know, geometry, as, as we might say. And, and so hand measuring all that and trying to figure out exactly where that's at and how far it is from the wall so they can fit something else in there, like a new product or a new, uh, new pipe or something, it takes a long time. And, and there's a lot of human error that can come into that. So enter the world of reality capture or 3D laser scanning, you know, because a scanner like Matterport, it can create a full 3D representation uh, relatively accurately of a space in just a minute or two. Uh, now the Matterport cameras are down to seconds uh, with the new firmware. So uh, this is just a really awesome way to get data in the field. But the, the trick is, is getting that data to the client so they can use it for something. So that kind of segues us into this new thought of taking, you know, the existing data in the field that we collect with these scanners like Matterport and we convert it into something that can be used by the client. And in, in some ways Matterport helps with that too because they kind of have an end-to-end -end system where they capture and show the data in their own cloud software that you can actually take some measurements from. And you can also download some assets which we can talk about a little bit later uh, and use those for AEC applications. Okay, so we'll we'll talk about Matterpack a little bit down the road, but I, I think just really to identify the stakeholder and the problem, and the first problem is is for for an, for anyone who's involved in this project is there's no existing as built means the architect has to come in, measure, 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 take pictures, 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 reconstruct the space because in this world today we operate in 3D modeling. Yes, it can take weeks. Weeks, weeks. So the problem that a Matterport photographer, a Matterport service provider can, can solve is literally within a day or two turn around what used to take weeks for an architect to reconstruct. So, and I would imagine that that is both time and money. Absolutely. You know, thousands of dollars. Uh, the, the thing about uh, when we talk about saving time and money um, and we talk about use cases of this, yes, two, in, in, in this case, two things are really important for renovation with Matterport is that they get, you know, they get this visualization so they can understand the space, just understand the space that, you know, spatially they can see it. And, uh, and, and then they can, they can pass that information to all the stakeholders or all the subcontractors that even the painters and the carpet layers who, who are going to be working on that space. And so they all understand the space very quickly and what might need to be done. And so it's also a bidding tool. It's a tool they can use to, uh, to actually make a bid on a project because they can take rough measurements of that space. Now, the second thing I want to bring up uh, to that point of rough measurement is that Matterport has an accuracy of uh, about 97 to 99%. Uh, I've seen up to 3% margins of error in Matterport when you stitch the scans together. Um, and, and that's important to really recognize because most of the time it is about 1%, as they say on the website, but sometimes it's more than that, especially for really large spaces or spaces where there's not a lot of connection, like you're going around a building and you try to loop on itself, uh, sometimes that you won't even really perceive that error. But when you pull it into a CAD model, it'll be clear what's wrong, you know, a square CAD model, for example. So knowing that, knowing your tools, knowing your equipment and how accurate it is can help drive you into the industry and sell the tool correctly. You know, uh, We have ran into situations where 
we thought Matterport would be a good tool for the job and the accuracy wasn't really where they needed it to be. We hoped it would be, but it wasn't uh, in the early days. So we had to redo the data, you know, with a terrestrial scan, you know, and reshoot the whole thing. So that's another time waste on our end. So it's really important when you're going into these use cases, which I'll talk about a few more, but in this case, like for renovations, to really ask how accurate do you need the data? And if they're telling you uh, an eighth of an inch or a quarter inch, you need to move to a different system, you know. Uh, but if, they're say, if they say one to two inches is fine, you just need to know the space, then Matterport could be a really, really great option for you. Uh, um, comment on this. What I usually tell people when they say how accurate it is, I, I generally will say uh, Matterport is good enough for an architect that wants to sketch out ideas of an existing space. And so it's a easy, fast, and quick way to get the underlying 3D model, the as is, to build on top of that to sketch out. Then the data is good enough for quoting on projects. So if you're, if you're asking subcontractors to bid on the flooring, the measurements are probably good enough to, to how, much, how much floor covering, how much uh, wall covering, how much paint, etc. But if you're going to need um, trying to fit some pipes together, then it's probably not the right solution. And if you're cutting glass based on this, don't do that. If you're trying to, and but generally the the trades do their own measurements anyway, regardless of who does the measurements. Sure, sure. So. What would be an example? Can you give just one more example of something where you need the precision in AEC where it would be obvious that Matterport would not be the right solution? So don't go there. Uh, yeah, to document MEP uh, systems, uh, you know, where the architects or the, uh, the designers need one or two inches of clearance, you know, in their design, you know, those kinds of applications that really tight precision, not a good choice. Also, because Matterport doesn't return data on black objects very well, like black pipes, and a lot of plumbing and stuff is black uh, by nature. It's wrapped in something, and and so you just may, or 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 even um, you know areas where there's a lot of reflective surfaces, like uh, a data a data center type of situation, like a silicon wafer manufacturing facility, where there's a lot of shiny objects, like everything's a mirror almost. Not such a good plan either. Uh, even regular scanners struggle with that. So thinking about accuracy and thinking about um, the type of materials you're going to run into in that environment can drive that decision as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it was really designed as a real estate tool, and they found that it actually could be used as an AEC tool. So the AEC community is vetting that for different use cases, and, and as I mentioned, you know, those are. Those are kind of what you want. But if it, like you said, if it's a rough in, if they need rough measurements, if it's a pretty opaque surface, uh, you know, like just regular paint, you know, things like this, not shiny, not too black. Uh, and, the, and the precision is within inches, not millimeters, then you're probably okay to try it out. Also, the thing you want to think about, last thing on that is security. So a lot of uh, AEC jobs have a high degree of um, security required to work on that job. You have to sign a non-disclosure agreement and all of that and carry a whole ton of insurance. Um, so we could talk a little bit about the business model of Matterport for AEC in a little bit, but, but the idea there is that uh, you just have to 
kind of know what you're getting into with that environment. And, and, and Matterport hosts the data on the cloud and not every contractor is going to be savvy to that. You know, some clients or owners of buildings don't want their stuff out in wild, in the wild west that anybody can look at. Um, and Matterport doesn't have a local solution yet. Yeah, so that's and I, you know, I, I think if I'm a Matterport service provider and I'm sc scratching my head wondering who I could talk to that's, that's AEC, architect, engineer, construction, I'm probably not going to go after the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, mm -hmm. the military, uh, and there's probably some commercial construction where their buildings are 50,000 square feet, 25,000 square feet, and maybe a, a lot of these issues related to security and cloud maybe become non-issues. The, the, the architect or even the general contractor is looking for a way to say, uh, or the client, how, how can I get to as-built as fast as possible, the as-built drawings, uh, the as-built CAD, how can I get to that as fast as possible at the least amount of expense? And also, I, I think um, maybe be a little bit more accurate than even an architect coming out and measuring, because I'm, I'm going to guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have all these odd shapes in a building, you can't possibly measure every, so you're going to take key measurements and you're just going to, you're going to smooth out that line and say, I, you know, th this wall goes this way and I'm not going to measure every in, 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 you know, I'm just going to say oh, straight line and I'll note it on the drawing, right? That's right. Where, where Matterport's actually going to capture all the, uh, whatever the right word would be, the undulations of that, of yes. that space. Yes. So um, anyway, so that, that's kind of architect. Um, let's go on to maybe an, uh, who, who else is a stakeholder here? That, that, uh, what problem do you solve for them? Yeah, so uh, we, we do find um, that hospitals have been a really great client of ours uh, mm -hmm. because hospitals do remodels all the time. And, and so as in the AEC environment, uh, we've just finished up two really large hospitals. We did... Uh, one that was 75,000 square feet and another one that was over 160,000 square feet. You know, and we had two Matterport cameras going at the same time on two different floors. And we're pushing out these massive models uh, with 500 plus scans. We probably did 5,000 scans over the period of a week with the Matterport. So, you know, we really pushed the limits of it. And that, I think that is uh, something that you should consider if you're going to be in the AEC industry is that these spaces are typically going to be pretty large if you're going to go into commercial scanning. Uh, but, you know, Matterport can handle uh, between two and 500 scans pretty well. I've even heard that one guy got a thousand scans to process through the cloud, although sometimes that may or may not work. Um, but but and, and that I, large, I'm that imagining large. that you, you did this, uh, treated each floor as a separate uh, Matterport yeah. scan. Yeah. And then we, and then we linked them together with the matter tags. So the matter tags are, are a really handy tool because you can uh, put the link of one model in the tag and it'll show a thumbnail, a movable thumbnail of the other Matterport model inside of that view. So you can jump between floors as, as we get to the end of a corridor, we just have the matter tag sitting there and then they can jump to the next floor up the stairs through that tag, right? Great, so that's that, that, that is really actionable information. That's really awesome. Yeah. It's really neat. Yeah, we, we found some creative. We also did some PDFs, an overview map of all the floors sort of stitched together using uh, Photoshop and made a PDF and linked that. We, we hosted it on our, on our Amazon server, Amazon web server, Amazon S3, 
and then we link it from Amazon to Matterport and they can see the PDF map show up on a matter tag as they first enter the space and say, oh, where am I? And we have it highlighted in blue where they're located on that map. Mm -hmm. So just these little ways of uh, creatively linking models together so that people can feel like they're going to stay in the experience as they navigate that space mm -hmm. rather than having to jump out, go to a web browser, jump back in. Uh, we mm -hmm. try to keep them in there. On the 160,000 square feet, um, uh, how, how many square feet per floor did that work out to about? Um, I think it was about 40,000. 40,000. Did you, and did you feel that that was pushing the limit of, uh, 40,000, uh, 500 scans? It, you know, what happens, uh, what we, what we found in the app is that we started getting some drift and the corridors started bending, uh, especially long corridors. Um, and so we would back up, delete the scans and then try to scan again to try to get a better connection. And, and, it, and we never really could completely get rid of that. But when we processed it in the cloud, it actually straightened it out. Um, so we got lucky, I think, because there's no prediction on how that's going to work. Uh, but, you know, for in this case, like I mentioned, you know, the accuracy, if I measured end to end of that large building, is probably not that great because it's so many scans. And there's who knows where that drift is happening in the data. But it gave them a really great context of all these, you know, there was hundreds of rooms and labs and uh, clinic rooms and things like this. And, and they really uh, loved it because they, they sent that out to all their subcontractors of like estimating paint, estimating flooring, estimating, you know, all these kinds of things that need to be done to that building. And um, just invaluable because otherwise they'd have to try to get a Revit model, which Revit is architectural modeling software that's made by Autodesk. And it's a standard for the most part in North America, and, and some would arguably say in the world, uh, to create 3D models for architects because these models that are built inside of this Revit platform from Autodesk um, have what they call intelligence uh, or metadata that's attached to each of those model components. So a wall, if you click on a wall, it'll tell you all about that wall, if it's gypsum, who made it, when it was made, all this stuff, right? And uh, so it's a really amazing design platform and it's kind of database driven, but it's got visual as well. Uh, so what they what they typically would do is they try to you know hand measure the whole space, and then they try to build this rivet model if they're you know because there probably wasn't one already created they just had architectural drawings so they had to recreate a model from the drawings which takes weeks, and then they would have to somehow give that to subcontractors and hope the subs actually use rivet and if they don't then they have to convert it to a CAD file to try to get them to use it and make sure it's in the right version and I mean it's just an ongoing like thing, um, short of getting people all in the same room or looking at the same screen on a webinar, a screen on a webinar, uh, it's difficult to share that information. But Matterport totally democratized that. And, uh, and, and I gave everybody permissions to that Matterport uh, job on the cloud. I made them collaborators so that everybody could go in as an editor that, that matter. I mean, we only had about six editors and the rest were viewers. But they could go in and take their measurements and figure out what they needed to do and tag it up and, and, and send, you know, links to other people. Uh, we actually linked it to, um, to box.com. We, we took photos of all of the outlets and some other things uh, that was important for the job. And uh, we linked those photos to matter tags inside the model so they could see what the camera didn't catch. You know, what the Matterport camera didn't catch, they could see details from our smartphone photos. So that's another thing you can do is you can link external data to this thing to make it more intelligent. 
Uh, that was really useful. Um, to your question, you know, other industries that we've... we've well, got, let's, let's stay on hospital for the moment. Yeah, okay, so, that sounds good. So, and I'm not, not asking for a name, in a, a name of an individual, yeah. but who's the client at a hospital? Is it the architect? Is it the general contractor? Is it the, the owner? owner? It's the owner of the hospital. Great. So what problem are you solving for the owner of the hospital? Uh, they just want uh, their remodel done uh, so they can get new equipment in quicker, faster, smarter, cheaper, you know. And um, uh, so I was approached by two different general contractors who won two different hospitals. So that's, we did two different projects um, in two different states. But the uh, idea there was um, they wanted a way to share the data and to understand the space, and they wanted a way to take rough measurements. And they meaning the general contractor, or they meaning the, the owner of the hospital? Well, it's a collaboration. So the owner says, this is what we need done, and, and the general contractor decides how they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the general contractor decides, you know, who's going to work on that project, and uh, as far as all the subcontractors, and then they made a decision, like, well, how we should 3D scan this whole space, because they already knew 3D scanning is a great technology. But then, you know, so we offered two costs. We offered the cost for the 3D scanning from the LiDAR and then the Matterport. And the cost was you know, quite a bit different, right? So Matterport uh, was uh, probably a quarter of what the laser scanning would have been. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a really, for them, it made a lot of sense. It still was a good, a good paycheck, you know, for everybody involved. Um, no problem there. Totally livable. If somebody had a business doing this. Very, hey, let, very let me stay on the on the owner. I want to follow up on this. So, would the owner of the hospitals say to the general contractor, you know, go pay for a scan? We would like to have that. It's going to be helpful to us. Or is is the hospital saying? we're going to go ask uh, three architects to bid on this project and we want to hand them um, uh, the 3D model, the as-built along with the data so that they're not trying to recreate the world even to quote on a project. You know, it depends on the client. Some clients want to be owners, uh, really want to be involved in the project and they have a plan on how they want to accomplish that project. And sometimes the owner says, I don't care how you do it. This is what we need done. Figure it out. And so uh, I've been approached by both an owner's rep and by the general contractor and by the architect. And, and oftentimes when I teach them what the technology can do and what it can't do, then they'll take that information back. I'll write a proposal and I'll say, this is what you get. This is the accuracy. This is a sample of what it would look like. You know, I, I send them a link, you know, to my Matterport model of something. And then they take it to the owner and they get the owner's buy-in which is a stakeholder, right? The owner says, oh, that's cool technology. That could, you know, serve us in a lot of different ways. And, uh, and will, it, will it meet the goals of the project? And the GC will say, or the general contractor will say, yes, it will. Great, we'll pay for that. So then it's approved in the budget. Then they say, when can you start? And that's when I get to go to the field with my crew and start the deal. Uh, but but sometimes but that's a, a, a bit of a moving target when you ask about that because it depends. Um, again, some some owners reps or, or owners will understand the tech and understand what they may even have other uses for it. Sometimes they even just use it for marketing and to show a before and after. So they say we want you to scan now and then we want you to come back in a year and scan it again. So so certainly the the architect would probably be way interested in that to be able to say the before and after particularly if they're quoting on on new projects where somebody's not even going to be in town to to visit work that they've done. 
yeah. the general contractor may want to be able to have people walk through projects that they've done. Um, I, I want to go back to the owner though. And I, I love that it's a moving target because it can, it can happen anywhere. So from an owner's perspective or the owner's rep, they may want to have Matterport done even before they talk to the architect, even before they talk to a general contractor. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I have had that. I so, have that, had that so that that would be a, um, a stakeholder that has a problem, which is we're going to go put this out on bid with three different architects, five different architects, and we don't want them all showing up with laser measures and taking pictures and reconstructing the space only to come back with a proposal. We, we want to we fast track them to have an as built for doing their sketches and their proposals for us. Yeah, it, it depends on how the owner's um, rep or the owner is staffed up too. So um, we work with Metro for a short time, uh, which is in Portland, and they're in charge of the convention center and the, uh, the Rose Garden Arena, the Moda Center, where they have basketball games and all these different properties that are really high value. And they actually learned about Matterport because they had their own little uh, kind of technology team and marketing team on staff already. So they figured out what they wanted before they even looked at a general contractor or somebody to help them with this project. And so they, they wrote the proposal to mandate um, basically Matterport into the project, but they didn't, they didn't call it Matterport. They just said, um, we, we want a 3D uh, model of the space that can be shared on the web. And they basically wrote every spec possible that matched the language of Matterport, but they didn't say Matterport. Because they said, we want everything that does, but we can't call it that because we have to say they have some policy where they're not allowed to say you can only use this specific technology to get to a goal. They say this is the goal and this is exactly what we want it to look like. But if there's other technologies that do it, then that's fine. So, so that was another way that it's come across our page. Yeah, I mean, that, that's so helpful because now if you're a Matterport service provider and you have the opportunity to talk to the owner and be able to have this, your, your specs for what you do written into the requirements for the general contractor, that sounds way cool. Let, let's, let's move over, over to the general contractor. Why does a general contractor want a Matterport scan? Well, like I mentioned before, they want to be able to share it with their subcontractors so that they all know what's going on. But uh, they also want to use it for planning. So uh, one project we did uh, called Bean Hall down in uh, University of Oregon, they had all these piping systems in this historic dormitory that they needed to save some and remove some. So I I asked them to hang little uh, colored ribbons, coded ribbons. Uh, I said I couldn't probably read text on them, but I could see color. And hang them like green is uh, destroy, red is keep, or however engineers like to do that. It's kind of reversed. And and so we went through and scanned it with the Matterport, and then they were easily able to see, you know, remotely what needs to be done. And so they were making changes to their design models based off the Matterport model to some degree. We also 3D laser scanned it with uh, with a Ferro scanner, and and that's where we did that uh, cloud compare analysis where we compared. Uh, the terrestrial laser scan data to a Matterport and saw how those match up, how, you know, as far as accuracy goes. And I did a little YouTube video on that, uh, on that comparison, which has had, I think, 20,000 hits or something. What was your conclusion? First, your, your YouTube channel is? Uh, It's just Topa 3D uh, YouTube. Okay. So that's uh, Tom 
Oscar Paul Alice YouTube channel. Topa. Three yeah. D. Three D. Top. That's two words. Topa is one word, and then three D. Topa three D. Yeah, all runs together on the YouTube. And if you type Topa three D YouTube, you'll you'll find it. Topa three D, and then you can see that. Uh, give us the short answer. How did Matterport compare to a lidar scanner? So uh, the short answer is it's not as robust. Uh, it didn't pick up reflective surfaces very well or the dark pipes uh, at all in some cases. But what it did do is in small rooms, um, it was almost just as accurate. It was within a quarter to a half of an inch where you know the Matterport scanner didn't have a lot of room to move around. We might have gotten uh, 10 scans. It was very accurate in, in a mm -hmm. sort of a cute room. But when you stretch that Matterport scanner over the length of a building that was almost the size of a football field, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of drifted and uh, you saw that there were some inaccuracies on one end or the other. So they never could pull, fully line up to the Faro scans. Are there some industry standards of, of how people refer to accuracy in the AEC space? Uh, we call it uh, measurable precision. Uh, we call it tolerance. Um, you know, what's your tolerance of the project? And a lot of them will say, surveyors will say two hundredths, uh, which means two hundredths of an inch typically, uh, but they'll just throw out a decimal. And uh, an arch architect will say an eighth of an inch, you know, and um, like a general contractor can be somewhere like uh, millimeters or a quarter of an inch. They, they talk like architects. So depending on who you talk to, uh, you, but you need to be able to say, how accurate do you need the data? Some version of that when you're asking to work on a job like that. Uh, LOD? Level of detail. So level of detail is a modeling term in BIM industry. So BIM stands for Building Information Modeling. Some have said Building Information Management. Uh, but the idea there is it's a building and it's a model and in between is information. So that's where that Revit modeling comes in, but it's much more than that. The, the information they need to know is, you know, schedule and uh, all these other sort of analytics that go into a project. Um, so when they, a BIM is really a process of coordinating multiple subcontractors, uh, designing how the building's going to fit together with all the different systems. And with, when they do the coordination before the project even breaks ground, they're verifying that this pipe isn't hitting this pipe in the 3D model and that they, somebody moves their pipe so that once- Is there a they, term for that? Uh, well, they call it coordination or they could call it clash detective or clash detection um, in the industry because that's a tool that's built into the primary software that uses that called Navis. So, so, so who would know that you, you, the, when someone creates a, a BIM model of what's supposed to be built on top of the as-built, that while somebody's building, it creates a conflict with maybe the electrical, the plumbing, uh, right. uh, where, where, and the and the words often are used as clash detection. Clash detection or so, clash detective. So the way this works typically is is a, a reality capture service provider will go scan a space with some kind of scanner, even a Matterport, and and then this might be a good segue into Matterpacks. But then you can take um, that data and superimpose it on the 3D model in, in Revit or Navisworks or CAT and see what's really there with the scans and what is there in the design. And then they'll, uh, 
so the designers will then move their model to match the point cloud. They'll nudge it over and move those 3D components to match the actual as-built conditions, and then they can start their coordination process. That's the well, idea. I, I, I don't understand how that's done. My, I, I shoot Matterport and, and I get a 3D tour. How, how do you do class, clash detection with? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so the, the really great thing that Matterport has done is um, they also pull out a point cloud from the scans and the, the photos that are taken from the Matterport camera. And they bundle it. It was a beta program, but now they're bundling it into what's called a Matterpack, which is $49 per model. Uh, and the matter pack contains in it a point cloud and you can download it as soon as your models process it, It's immediately available for download, but when you do it, you have to pay through your subscription, right? So uh, for $49 you download it. You'll get a reflected ceiling plan Which is like a, a photo snapshot of the entire ceiling of the entire building in one photo like an image, right? And that's good for architects to know where all the lights are so they can determine where all those lights are and other other ceiling sort of information. Uh, it's like a map of the ceiling, reflected ceiling plan. And then you also get a floor plan. And uh, that's different from the schematic floor plans that you can download separately on the Matterport website. This is actually a, the, these ceiling plans and floor plans are actually generated from the point cloud. And then you also get a XYZ file. It's called cloud.xyz. And uh, you get an object file as well, which is a 3D mesh model with all the textures that you can pull into like visualization software like Blender Game Engine or 3D Studio Max or Maya or something like that. But, but the, uh, the point cloud, the XYZ and those, those two plans, those are really valuable for AEC. So the, the point cloud is something, it, they, they, give it, they give you the most basic form of the point cloud. It just has the XYZ coordinates of every point. Uh, so what they're doing is they're generating a point model from the, the, the mesh model that was created from the Matterport camera. What we see when we're looking at the mesh model on the uh, Matterport cloud is not as high a resolution as what's originally generated. We get kind of a, I guess, a dumbed down version of that model when we see it. But the actual model is actually very, very high resolution, and it's picking up very sharp corners, very sharp corners and edges, and it's not uh, not really bubbly like you you'll see when you're looking at the mesh on the dollhouse view, for example. So you excuse me, you mentioned earlier that the architect uh, standards seems to be working in AutoCAD Revit. Mm -hmm. Matterport's providing a .xyz file. Can that .xyz file be imported into our uh, Revit.rv? Uh, yeah. R, an so, RVT file? Yeah, that's right. So there's a conversion process. So when you take that XYZ uh, cloud file from the Matterpack, uh, you can import that into a software that Autodesk makes called Recap. It's free, and you can download it from the Autodesk.com website. And you just drag and drop that. Uh, XYZ file in there and it converts it into what's called an RCP file or an RCS file with an RCP file as well. All that means RCS is a recap scan, RCP is recap, recap project file. Anyway, those, those work in tandem. So you, you convert it into this format called recap and then that works, that recap file is now a point cloud that can talk to all Autodesk software. So you can import that point cloud now into Revit, into Navisworks, into AutoCAD, into uh, lots of different platforms on and, and then once you've imported it, then you can save it as a, a Revit file, for example. 
you can embed it, but it actually is kind of like a link, an external link. You sort of, the best practice is to link it to the model. You just link it there and then you can move it into place. And, uh, and then you can perform that, um, that deviation detection between the, uh, the model and the actual point clouds. Okay, so I, I, remember, I'm a Matterport service provider. I'm a newbie. I got my camera. I'm hearing these words for the first time. So when the architect says, uh, can you give me a Revit file? The, the answer is I can give you a cloud.xyz file that you can bring into uh, Autodesk Recap and then from Recap, uh, 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 open Revit and point to the, um, the uh, Recap uh, file. So there is an interim step of going from Matterport to Revit and, and there is a path. You just need to know some of the lingo here, uh, which, which, which is the architect's right. going to ask you the question, you know, can you give me a Revit file? And before you say no, the answer is I can give you a file that can be uh, uh, imported into Recap so that you can use it within uh, your Revit uh, platform. That's right. Uh, to some degree, that's true. So can you give me a Revit model? If they say that, you can say, well, we can give you a point cloud, which you can visualize in Revit, but the modeling part what they're asking for is actually a vector model rather than a point model. Uh, that's going to take some work. You have to actually create that and trace the point cloud potential. Uh -huh. Do you know any companies that would provide that service? Well, we do. <laughs> We're one, but there's, there's many. Stop others. there. Stop there. So that's, that's topa3d.com. T-O-P-A-3-D.com. So if you get stuck and, and someone says, no, I need a vector file, and you're scratching your head, well, how do I convert to a vector file? You, you send Paul an email, call Paul, send up a smoke signal, and he, he can provide the interim solution uh, of that file conversion, yeah? Yes, uh, and, or teach you how to convert it, to, at the very least, to something that other CAD platforms can talk to. Okay, but I'm going to assume that I'm a Matterport service provider. I, I bought the camera because I like the fact that I could take pictures. This, the fact that there's this thing called Matterpack, M-A-T-T-E-R-P-A-K, scares me because I have no idea what this reflective ceiling and this thing at the bottom and this XYZ. Um, but if I just know enough words that, that if the architect's asking for a Revit file or is asking for a... Um, uh, a recap file or asking for um, a vector file, uh, the, the answer is one way or another, you can provide what they need. It may cost you some money to engage Paul to either uh, uh, Topa 3D to either do the conversion for you or to provide consulting services to you to help help you make that sale because Paul knows the lingo to, 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 to help help you through that that critical point. Yeah, and the process of you know how to take it from downloading the matter pack and yeah, and, and how to how to feed it to the AEC industry and, and know what they're asking for and know the path to get there. Okay, got it. So, is there anything else in that matter pack that that, that matters? Uh, you know, that's that's the that's the most important pieces is the uh, and the object file. Like you can take that object file and you can drag and drop it into Unity Game Engine. You know, mm -hmm. or Unity. Uh, visualization so you can do VR with it. So mm -hmm. I've actually been able in my uh, LinkedIn learning course on Matterport, I show how you can actually take uh, Matterport data object files from that Matterpack and pull it into 
Unity and, and texturize it and then view it in VR and, and create your own video game around it if you want to. I didn't go that deep, but I, but I can for, show that. For the purpose of, uh, on, on today's topic though, on, on, uh, on the show, um, somebody in the AEC space, if you told them you had a, a .obj file, an object file, they would make their eyes glaze over and they'd have no idea what to do with it? Not necessarily. A lot of people in the AEC space understand models of different kinds, uh, but I think they'd be more interested in the point cloud. Great. That, that's okay. that's going to be what matters. That's what matters about the matter pack is the XYZ file. So let's just go back to general contractor for a moment because it's such, I, I want to say that's where the money is. The general contractor has a lot of money. So, yes. so the question is, I'm going to start with, how do you help the, the general contractor save money? So pain point, how do you help a general contractor save money? Creating the as bills. That's, that's the shortest answer I can I can say is, is going out and creating those as-builts for them. In other words, making a map of the existing, a 3D map of the existing space. And uh, if their accuracy, if their tolerance is, you know, a couple of inches or worse, then that's a perfect storm for Matterport. It's a perfect place to use a Matterport camera. If, 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 they, if it passes security, you know, uh, as far as cloud protocols, if the accuracy isn't too tight, you know, millimeter is a little too tight for Matterport. And, and the third thing is you need to have insurance. So you need to be able to get into a project site. So every single project site requires a service provider to carry uh, umbrella insurance, uh, liability, sometimes, sometimes professional liability insurance, uh, general liability, and oftentimes that starts at $1 million. So uh, to be in the AEC uh, space, to be able to play in that world and to do those projects, you have to, you have to know that you're gonna be wearing a hard hat you're going to be wearing safety boots, a, a safety vest, gloves, and safety glasses, both uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, and you'll have to have the proper insurance based on the, their needs. And that insurance is going to cost you between three and $6,000 a year. So that's kind of the basic requirements to get into this industry. Now that seems, I, I know we carry, I want to say general liability insurance for $2 million, but I don't think our premium's anywhere close to 6,000. Is, is, is that related to a commercial construction scanning yes. versus a home scanning? Right. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So, uh, so the, the, the cost of entry can be quite large. Is it possible to be a sub for someone else that carries the insurance? Uh, an employee, uh, but an employee, also, but not as an independent contractor. Typically, no. Almost everybody that comes onto that site as a subcontractor has a minimum insurance requirement. So you'll just need to look at that for the project. Okay, and um, and I I would imagine that one of the ways perhaps around that is to is to say, um, uh, hello Topa 3D, are you able to engage? Uh, and scan. And so essentially I develop the business, but I bring somebody else in to do the actual scanning that has the appropriate um, insurance and also has the gear. I realize the gear is not that much, but um, I, I guess we should say for a Matterport service provider, you're not going to be able to walk on the job site without that safety vest, that hard hat, the, the shoes, uh, et cetera. And that comes out of your pocket. So you got to figure, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not loaning you a, a hard hat and a, and a, and a vest. You, you, you might, but you figure you got to buy some stuff. It's not going to cost you a lot, but you got to buy it. Yeah, with the camera and the gear and the insurance all, all in, you're going to look at eight to $10,000 probably per year to get into this business. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, which isn't too bad. I mean, it's eight eight thousand the first year, and then the next year it's only going to be your insurance costs, which is mm-hmm. you know if you have the camera already. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, you know the other thing to keep in mind is you have to bid these projects higher because your overhead, you know, and and these jobs often require you traveling quite a long distance. It's not just your neighborhood. It's it's going from state to state sometimes. And, uh, you know, to do this business seriously, I think you really need to uh, consider raising your prices from real estate to construction. So we, we add on um, uh, about 25 to 50% more uh, to do the construction jobs than, than the real estate. Sometimes we've gone up to three times as much uh, just because of the logistics to make that happen and to cover those expenses. And these projects can take more than just one day. They're not just uh, in and out, you know, like I mentioned, some of these Projects are quite large. When, when you did the hospital and, um, you know, let's say 160,000 square feet, um, could you do 20,000 square feet a day? Uh, yeah, we were doing between 20 to 30,000 square feet in a day per, per camera. And so then you needed to do a calculation to say, how many scan days is it going to take me? And then I imagine that you also figured that worst case, you're not going to be allowed into certain spaces at certain times and that you'd have to come back and re, you know. Yeah, this is really great. It's like you're reading, reading the whole project uh, scope. So what we ask for in the scope is we say, uh, this is how much time it's going to take. Uh, this is the cost based on, you know, what we think it'll take. But also, if we don't have building access, then we have the right to a change order. In other words, we can increase our costs if, if we can't get access. And that's exactly what happened. We, did, we didn't have access to the pharmacy because it was very secure and they had to have an escort. Some of the closets were just locked. Nobody had a key. Uh, so we had to come back like three times. Uh, and, and so we have to think about the per diem as well, you know, how much is the cost for meals, lodging, and incidentals to take that trip to go there to do this job and come back and so forth, mileage, whatever. So you have to take all that into consideration. But in your contract language, uh, really make sure you point out that, that sort of disclaimer that says, if we don't have access, then we have the right to raise our price, you know, to take care of that. Because it, 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 it can, you can start losing money very, very quickly on these large jobs, if you, especially if you have an employee who's getting paid hourly or something that's going to have to stay out there another couple of days. Uh, if you don't have budget for that, then you know, you're going to eat it. So it's important to think about that. Tremendous. I mean, th- th- these tips are just, uh, they're golden. Thank you for sharing these, uh, uh, Paul. Just awesome. I want to go back to the general contractor and I'm going to stick with as built. So the general contractor pain point is having an as built for who are the other stakeholders that find an as built helpful. Uh, So we've done a project for building forensics. Uh, There was a a construction going on next door to a building that had historical value. And they wanted to make sure that when that was happening, their walls didn't get cracked or something, you know, because it's just some sort of unreinforced masonry brick. Um, in, in any case, so they wanted, they, we matterported the whole basement foundation area. And so they had kind of an unlimited amount of photos of all the brickwork that was exposed down below. And uh, they, they just used it as an insurance policy. We didn't actually really do anything except scan it. And we just and they want us to scan it again when the project's done, so they can compare the images, you know. And and some of those um, some of those applications we can scan from the same position, uh, doing that over and over again, so that we can kind of see 
roughly changes over time from that vantage point. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's another um, uh, sort of application that we ran into as well. So um, does the electrical people find it helpful, the plumbing people, the mechanical, or they really care about the, the, the BIM, and so it's the general contractor who cares about the clash detection uh, among the trades. Right. The general contractor generally coordinates that clash detection and making sure that everybody who submits a, a model to the master model or what they call in the industry the federated model, uh, like a starship, the federated starship, uh, yeah. when they put, they put all their models together and they have to make sure that they all fit. And sometimes they just smash into other ones and they have to figure that out before they start building the building because Revit has this capability of when you build the model, you can actually make 2D prints directly from the model, right? It creates sheets for architectural plans and sections and elevations directly from the model. So the model needs to be, you know, accurate and, and how it's going to get built. And then they distribute that data to all of the subcontractors to start building from. Um, so yes, the general contractor is concerned about that. I don't get a lot of calls from the trades, like the uh, MEP sort of folks, or painters or carpenters. Um, but I have got uh, jobs where um, for disputes on for, to builders, uh, like like I said, forensics on that one case. Another case, I work with a client who uh, multiple times we've been called in to scan a house, a residential, uh, or even commercial, and 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 show in 3D and, and also with the photos uh, what the problems are with the structure. And, and it's, they've actually used it in court. And so they're able to see like multi, you know, hundreds of photos from all these different vantage points. Whereas doing it with a camera is kind of tough unless you maybe have a 360, like a Ryko Theta camera. Uh, this is just a, a much easier way because you can go from dollhouse and say, I want to see that room and dive right in, you know, mm -hmm. from the dollhouse. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and those, those sort of things just settle almost right away because they're like, well, we see everything, you know, there's kind of no dispute here. So that's the end of that stuff talk. You know? Cool. Are you using Matterport for um, progress, construction progress documentation or no, no, really as built that that's going to be Matterport's sweet spot. Well, Asbuilt is good. The accuracy over Asbuilt usually is tighter than what Matterport requires. So we have to be careful when we talk about Asbuilt in that it's a lot of times they, they need that eighth inch or that quarter inch tolerance um, for Asbuilt, especially mechanical electrical plumbing Asbuilt. Uh, but would, but, would they do the scan twice? Meaning, let's do Matterport initially. That'll get the architect being able to sketch and design and propose. And then once the we, we get going, we'll we'll bring in the, the the lidar scanner to actually do the heavy lifting. That that is a possibility too. We've done both. Um, we just finished a project where we're scan we scanned a tea house. It's getting remodeled, and um, it's it's like three stories tall. It's pretty big, and. Um, and, and they, they actually did that. They took the point clouds and they used it as a rough in for the asphalt. We actually scanned outside. We scanned just after dawn before the sun comes up or before dawn rather. So there was ambient light. So we were able to scan the entire outside area with Matterport and it looked great. Um, that's, you know, so there's some ways we've been able to trick it to do that kind of work. And we gave them the point clouds and, and they were able to uh, work with some of that. Although we had to rescan the outside because there was some, inaccuracies on, on the backyards. We use a Faro scanner for the backyard on some of those okay. areas. A, a Faro scanner is what? 
Pharaoh's. It's a terrestrial. It's a it's a brand. It's a terrestrial scanner. It creates lidar data, very accurate lidar and data. Lidar is white clouds. Uh, it's light detection and ranging. Sorry. So uh, it's which, which, a laser. Can, can we call it a, a, a super high end scanner? Uh, super high end scanner is a great word for it. And and how much do these things cost? Uh, well, they range from about twenty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on the type you want. Okay, so it it might it might actually pay to do Matterport first. Yes, and then before because I would imagine if if you're renting or owning a machine that costs twenty thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand, you're going to be charging a, a lot more. Uh, and therefore, maybe the first phase of the project really isn't as built for the architect to do the the initial s sketching. So if you, if you get the if you get the owner, if you're lucky enough to get the owner, uh, then they may very well go for the the Matterport because it it gets the process going for the the, the totally. architect to totally to 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 be designing. And then once the the, the architect is selected, and the general contractor, uh, I'm, I'm presuming the architects done before the general contractor. Do they both get hired at the same time or not necessarily? Well, the architect is, is a lot of times before the general contractor comes on board, yeah. So, and, and the architect actually may be able to afford to do Matterport because it's replacing them sending people out to do the, the laser measure and take pictures and reconstruct the space. They don't necessarily want to pay for the, the LIDAR scanning. That's exactly right. And that's exactly the right application. You said it very well, Dan, is that in that pre-design or uh, early design phases of the project, Matterport is where we get called in to do that kind of work because it's that rough in kind of measuring and understanding the space uh, to do some preliminary assessment, to do um, kind of whether or not it's feasible, like a feasibility assessment to remodel this thing. Is, is there too much damage? It's just a really nice way to capture that space and understand it. And then exactly right, when they're ready to go full on and get those accurate as-builds, then they'll switch over to the LIDAR, the light detection and ranging terrestrial laser scanners that are more high-end to get that accuracy. But Matterport is a, is a great tool in the toolbox. It comes early in the phase. Uh, and sometimes it's it comes later too. It's, it's hard to say, you know, um, it's not always predictable, but that, is a little bit more predictable in the beginning. Yeah. Well, I, I, I also hear you at the end, if I'm the architect and the, the project's done, uh, I'd like to, I'm, I'm going to take 2D photos is probably how it's been done to be able to show in a paper portfolio or online. But now imagine you come back with Matterport and scan the entire finished project. Uh, and the architect is able to sh show it off. I, I actually wonder where where where's the money? So if you if you if you if you scan the project at the end, is that something that the owner, the architect, and general contractor might share the cost in? Because they all have a reason to have the finished product. Well, what we get contracted to do uh, is we we get the full contract in the beginning, and they break it in half. They say we'll need a scan at the beginning, and they've decided they need a scan at the end. And so we sign on to a contract, we'll say $6,000. And so we bill $3,000 when we're done with the first half, and then $3,000 when we're done a year later with the second half. So that usually comes, at least in my experience so far, it all comes up front in that, that sort of dialogue. Um, but we have had calls um, on the back end to have something that's been done already because they just want to showcase it. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we did a furniture design store 
Um, and uh, that was a really neat project because it was already done and they just they just wanted to showcase all of their wares, you know. So that's that's another thing. So um, there, I guess there's a lot of ways you can look at it, but typically we've seen contracts come all at once and tell us how the, the whole plan is going to work all at the front end, on the front end. Mm-hmm. So I think part of my takeaway here, and you talk about owners, architects, general contractors, subs, that if you're if you're lucky enough to get into the owner at the to the owner before the project moves to an architect, that's way cool because you either get uh, scoped into the project or the owner just simply decides I'm going to go buy this because I'm I'm going to have ask multiple architects to go do proposals for me, and then second. Uh, maybe to be chasing after architects because the architects don't really necessarily care, excuse me, about the, 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 uh, the level of accuracy, they, level of detail. They, they care about, is it a 3D model that I can build on top of to propose a design? Yeah. And the general contractor, that one may be a little bit of a challenge be, because their level of accuracy requirements at that point may be that they really do need the the um, the the Faro lidar scanner level of accuracy, or Leica or ZNF. You know, there's a whole bunch of scanner models out there. But I, I will say that uh, that's mostly true. But the the, you know, the general contractor also would want, like I said before, you know, to share that data with their subcontractors uh-huh. to bid. Yeah. So, and that's. It's way easier to share, Matt. So I think you even used the word democratization, that, that Matterport democratizes all the people to be able to, all the, the subs to be able to um, view and measure because whether they're using an iPad or they're using a, a desktop or a laptop, you can look at Matterport uh, running in its own th- uh, 3D showcase player as opposed to talking to uh, the, the painter guy, and if you said, um, uh, hey, I want to send you a Revit file, they'd have no idea what you're talking about. All they know is they want to come out and measure the walls to calculate. But now you can give a Matterport, give them access uh, as a collaborator uh, for them to do their own measurements uh, without having to, to, to come. So, so it's democratization, enabling the subs to be able to quote on a project without necessarily having to everybody measure the same space over and over and over again. You know, and Matterport is about five times faster than a LIDAR terrestrial scanner. It's, it's just so much faster. You're getting, you know, 20, 30 second spins. Uh, granted, you can only jump about five to eight feet between scans, but I've even jumped a little further and got away with it. And, uh, but you know, if you're doing a space, you don't have to jump that far because it's so many rooms. You have to jump that way with a terrestrial scanner as well. So speed is, uh, you know, to get through 160,000 square feet with all these rooms that we had, uh, you know, in the speed that we did it uh, would not have been the case with a, a laser skin. You know, it would have taken probably a couple of weeks uh, and a lot more cost. Um, so it was just a really great, fast, uh, inexpensive way to get uh, some sort of mind wrapped around that space. Mm-hmm. And I want to say I'm, re- I'm really excited. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, it's okay. It's all right. Go on, Paul. Uh, well, I'm really excited because this uh, the object file and, and the point cloud and, and those things that are generated from Matterport from the Matterpack. Uh, there's a new software out there that's coming on the market, uh, full steam called Revisdo. And Revisdo is uh, 
kind of like Navisworks uh, software, which does that clash detection. Uh, it's like uh, that combined with, it also has virtual reality functions where it can go into VR. It, it's a really great um, kind of general contractor or construction-based software that can visualize BIM models intelligently. And it works on iPads and everything, but it also accepts object files, OBJs, and meshes, and it accepts, uh, it's gonna be accepting point clouds in the near future, as far as I've been told. Uh, so this will allow us to see uh, in situ, you know, the model and uh, the Matterport uh, model sort of superimposed on each other on in 3D space on an iPad for construction professionals. And I think that's, so Matterport really did a, a smart thing in that they made their data sort of interoperable with all these systems. Even if the accuracy is not there, you still have some really important functionality. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It, it, it sounds like that's gonna, uh, the uh, Revisto is going to add huge value to the Matter Pack, to the Matterport Matter Pack, uh, uh, as using that object file. I was going to ask you about um, uh, facilities managers. Does that fit into any of your uh, the projects done? It's being turned over to whoever's managing that property. Is, does Matterport fit into that, any of the work that you've done? Um, no, not really. I, I haven't, uh, but to be fair, uh, that's not something I've done a lot of work with. Most of the work we've done for facilities managers, we've done some work with some government agencies. Uh, they, they're most interested in having a low-tech photography solution uh, that just kind of documents what they have, and they want to be completely offline. A lot of them don't even have access to the internet while you're at work there. Got it. Um, so Matterport's kind of off the table for some of the facilities managers, uh, clients we've seen. Uh, that's not to say that some more progressive facilities managers who do want cloud solutions wouldn't be open to it. Mm -hmm. All right, Paul, before we wrap up, I want to do a, if you don't mind, a lightning round with you. I'm mm -hmm. going to give you a, some jargon and you, you tell us what it means. I'll try. Okay. <laughs> okay. RFI. Uh, request for information. What is that? So it's like a proposal, but it, it comes from, uh, you know, maybe a professional like an architect or a general contractor, and they want to know, uh, you know, can you provide, it's kind of, there's request for information and there's a request, RFQ, request for quote, but it's, it's just a, it's not a formal proposal. They're not saying we want you to um, bid on this necessarily, but we want to know what you're capable of, what this project might need. It might be a document that goes out to ask for technical information on how to accomplish a project. Uh, it could just be a, a document that asks um, some sort of question about the pro existing project. We need to know what this RFI is, is going to be resolved or not. Is this pipe supposed to be here or not? And then whoever's responsible for that pipe needs to answer that question. You know, so it's just a, it's a request for information. It can be very broad. So if I, I'm a Matterport service provider, I, I, I call up the uh, the owner of the building and I say, hey, I got this thing that does 3D tours, blah, 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 blah. And they say, great, we'll send you an RFI. We, we now know that they're, they're not asking you for a quote. They're just kind of asking, kicking the tires a little bit to understand what it is that you're capable of doing. In that situation, that could very well be true. Okay, RFI. RCP. Uh, well, RCP could be a reflected ceiling plan or it could be a recap file. So... Uh, uh, RC, a reflected ceiling plan is, you know, um, like I talked about in the matter pack, it's, it's basically an ortho photo or a, 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 all the Matterport images stitched together to make one full ceiling of the entire building that you scan as like a map, a 2D map. 
that was going to be a trick question. And I got two different meetings. So let, let's go back into re recap. Recap is? Uh, RCP is the, the name of a file type. Uh, recap is a conversion platform to take Matterport point clouds, in this case, and convert them into something that Autodesk software can use. Um, you can also convert uh, Matterport point clouds into Bentley software and others, other pl CAD platforms out there on the market. But Recap is just really popular right now. Autodesk. Autodesk. They're the makers of AutoCAD. They're the makers of Revit architectural software. They're the makers of Navisworks. They're the makers, makers of uh, 3D Studio Max and Maya, which are animation software platforms they use for movies like Toy Story and things like that. So my, general my general contractor in the house today said, can you give me an Autodesk file? How do I reply? You need to ask him, do you want a CAD file like a, a DWG? Ask him, ask him what the extension of that file should be. DWG, RVT, what, do you want Revit files, Navis files, a CAD file? Like what version of Autodesk do you want? Okay, great. So I, that's good. I got to push back and get a little bit more detail about which program, uh, which software, which auto, since Autodesk makes so many different packages, which soft Autodesk software uh, he or she is using, uh, and what is the file extension, uh, and, it, and it's going to have some three-digit di three letter like WW. Uh, 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 dot DWG G file. Yeah, yes, I won't even right. ask what that stands for, but that's what you want to know. It's a DWG no, file or a dot RVT file or a dot SKP file. Uh, uh, right. Push back, ask them what, what letters. Uh, let's see, um, Civil 3D. So Civil 3D is an Autodesk software platform and it's designed for uh, civil design. Uh, it, it can take very large files. It's It can make topography maps, uh, it can make contour lines, you can do section cuts, volume calculations, you can do all kinds of things that anything that has to do with moving dirt, building roads, uh, planning an entire project site with trees, uh, all that kind of stuff is really kind of where Civil 3D shines. Cool. Uh, I want to ask you a bonus round here. Uh, many of our matter, many uh, we get around network um, Matterport service providers are uh, drone pilots as well. So mm. we're, we're, what's the opportunity? Say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be quoting, talking to the, now I know to talk to the owners, the architects, the general contractor, and I also do drones. So what, what do I want to talk to them about? You know, why would somebody want aerial? Well, uh, you know, construction progress is a big one. To be able to take a shot, uh, aerial photo of the project site uh, every month or every week or something like that so they can show the building going up from the same vantage point is really, it's like a time lapse from the sky almost. So that's really that advantage, an advantage point. Um, the, the, other, the other piece uh, for drones is, is to map the site, to make a 3D model of the whole site. Uh, so they can pull a, a topography, make contour lines, and, and know the actual landscape. So um, as, as a reality capture service provider, which is a good way to brand yourself if you're going to offer multiple capture te technologies, is just call yourself a reality capture provider on some level. And then you can do the interiors with the Matterport. You can do the exteriors with the drone and really give them a sense of that space. And, and am I doing that with a particular, what is a Pixel 4D? I, yeah, so I, I actually, uh, I use Pix4D, 
uh, which is a PIX 4D. That's right. And it's uh, $350 a month or something like this with no commitment. Uh, So you can just do it one month and never do it again with no cost. And it processes your data in the cloud if you want or on your desktop. The cloud is much faster. And uh, it's very powerful. If you're using DJI products or unique products, uh, any of those, even Falcon 8 or some other drones that are more high-end, uh, it'll, it'll process just about any camera on a drone on the market to date. Uh, great software. I also use Context Capture, which is made by Bentley Systems uh, to do 3D models of buildings. Very, very accurate uh, uh, building reconstruction from photos. Uh, so that's helpful as well. And I've, I've actually linked the Matterport model uh, through a matter tag to the drone model that's hosted on my Amazon server as well. So they can walk through a door and hit the matter tag and go into the 3D model of the entire property as well. So linking those data sets is pretty awesome. So that, that sounds pretty cool in terms of doing it with the, the matter tags, but I would imagine if you're in the data view, there's there's some way, some program that you can mash the two up, the, the, the data from the drone yeah. and the da- and Matterport data. Is that happening? Yeah, so you can take the point clouds and you can combine them using uh, software like any of the Faro scanning software or the Leica Cyclone software. All these scanning uh, processing software platforms can combine point clouds in unique ways. You can move them around and match them up. Uh, Cloud Compare uh, is open source and free. Uh, LiDAR or point cloud software, it accepts point clouds from Matterport or any other drone-based point cloud. It doesn't matter. So, and then once you get those point clouds together, you can mesh them, you know, and make a model if you needed to, or, or just uh, trace them out in Revit and make a Revit model. You can do a lot of things with point clouds. They're very versatile. So I'm, I'm kind of a fan. Wow. Um, did, did, were there other projects? We, we, we focused a little bit on hospitals, but was there, were there other projects that you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, you know, we, we've done ADUs, uh, you know, just oh, the ADU, new, new. We didn't do that in the lightning round. What is that? That's okay. Well, essentially what it is, is it, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a unit, a smaller unit, uh, um, like a living, housing unit sort of thing. Um, the acronym's actually escaping me at the moment Okay. Uh, as far as what it stands for. But the, the idea is small housing units. I, I just did a, a ADU, which is like a, it's like a tiny home for uh, a developer who's uh, making these tiny homes for people with low income so that they can uh, have a place to stay with a low cost. And people are putting them in their backyards and renting them out for a few hundred bucks a month or something. Airbnb. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So uh, Matterport's a great way to showcase some representative tiny homes or ADU kind of establishments. Uh, it, it's, uh, the, the, there's just a lot of different ways we use this. But uh, the main message we've been able to use with Matterport is to, is to share what the space looks like to help people wrap their mind around it, especially complex spaces. And then of course, real estate, you know, they just love using this for marketing. Um, it's just a really easy platform for them to share. Awesome. Before we wrap up, any, anything else you, we, uh, we missed that you wanted to cover? You know, I just, I, I guess I'm just really grateful. You know, thanks for interviewing me today, uh, Dan. It's been a delight and uh, I love talking about this stuff. And if you have any questions about the AEC industry to your listeners or whatnot, please feel free to contact me. I'm on LinkedIn and also you can reach me on topa3d.com. So on uh, LinkedIn, probably the easiest way to, f- to find Paul Tice, T-I-C-E, Paul Tice, is to put in Google Paul Tice uh, Topa. Topa 3D 
LinkedIn, and then because it'll, it'll find the right Paul Tice. That'll that'll be the one. Yeah, and and, and frankly, uh, Paul's everywhere, so you can find him on uh, your YouTube channel. That's uh, Topa 3D, all solid. Uh, just uh, Google YouTube, uh, some amazing uh, videos on uh, your website, Topa, T-O-P-A, 3D.com. Uh, you have an amazing, I want to say, uh, blog, which goes into some very extensive level of details. Uh, I think that was one of the ones you, you did on the comp comparing the accuracy of Matterport to uh, a, a LIDAR scan. And uh, uh, that video that I think you had 20,000 views that you mentioned um, has a companion blog post that goes into great detail that's awesome. Um, so, uh, uh, Paul, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh -huh. Yep, I love to teach, so feel free to reach out. Thank you, and you have a great day at it, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So we, we've been visiting today with uh, Paul Tice. He is the founder and CEO of Topa 3D, T-O-P-A, second word is 3D, Topa 3D, at the website topa3d.com. Uh, Paul, is the, as I mentioned, is the founder and CEO. He's based in Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, though presently working on a lot of work uh, in the in the central Oregon uh, er, Oregon area, um, that the name of the location would be uh, Bend, Bend, Bend Oregon, Bend Bend, Bend Bend Oregon, uh, and uh, um, Paul has been so kind to share with us. I I think you can see why he is uh, 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 has a course on Lynda.com uh, in the uh, the LinkedIn learning community. Uh, does consulting in this space, does scanning, does scanning with Matterport, scanning at high end, does training, does teaching, um, uh, uh, does consulting. Uh, and, and I think I, I and I've, I've sat in on some of your programs at SPAR 3D Expo and Conference. So he's really, you know, very well respected in the space, is a journalist on top of everything else. Uh, writing for LIDAR magazine and, and for SPAR 3D as well. So um, we, we've been talking again with Paul uh, specifically for Matterport service providers of how to make money uh, with Matterport meets AEC space for newbies. We've covered a, a lot of ground. I think Paul has, has shared um, actionable information with you of, uh, of helping you, you know, identify uh, who the stakeholders are, what's important to them, know the lingo of, of how to talk to them. Uh, if you've uh, tuned in late, uh, we've recorded today's program uh, by uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, September 28th, 2018. We'll post it in the We Get Around Network forum. Uh, so check it out. Uh, so Paul, thanks again. Good to see you. Good visiting with you. Much appreciated. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. I'm Dan Smigrod, founder of the We Get Around, uh, we, we Get Around Network. And uh, you've been watching WGAN-TV live at 5.